At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Enlightening sport talk from your favorite sports fam. I'm up in this thing. Shout out to the mighty who that nation. We appreciate you guys as always for chiming in on the stream. Much love to the fam. Much love indeed. Feel free to hit the like button family. Feel free to hit the share button. And also if you're not a subscriber, join the great Saint Thank tank today by subscription. And as you can see that this one here is called cam Jordan takes issue with edge rushers rankings in this thing. And of course, you know, we know Cam is arguably one of the best defensive players that the Who That Nation has ever seen. You know, we're talking about he's up there in the atmosphere along with Ricky Jackson and Pat Swillen and guys like that. You know, this guy is, is, is up there. In terms of what I'm saying, I think Cam, and it's a lot to say because we're looking at Ricky Jackson, even though I have to put Ricky Jackson ahead of Cam, and so far as the totality of, of his career, even though Cam has taken Ricky's sack record down here in the black and gold building, Ricky Jackson's still a Hall of Famer. So I would have to put Ricky Jackson as the best defender that ever donned a Florida Leaf in the great history of the Houdat Nation. Just that's a lot of praise, but that is real deal, Holyfield. And of course, ultimately, I think Cam Jordan would eclipse him eventually. 
but he still has a couple of years left. We know that they're supposed to be working on, we'll be hearing that news coming up here soon about the black and gold, finally getting a deal done where, you know, they'll make Cam a saint for life. And we're looking forward to that at major league. But anyway, in this episode, Saints defensive end, Cam Jordan has a big issue with the ranking system. And of course, let's go over that fam. And, and I won't hold you this long, uh, too long for this broadcast, but ESPN conducted an extensive poll ahead of the training camp to get a sense of which players viewed as the best at the position of Saints defensive end Cam Jordan feels he and some of his peers have been forgotten. Now, Jeremy Fowler surveyed executives, coaches, scouts, and players to put together ESPN's top 10 rankings for 11 defensive positions. Now, with that being said, like he said, he talked to different professionals. We talking about coaches, you know, we talking about scouts and we also talking about cams peers, some of the players. I none of those are listed, but they had rankings for 11, 11 different positions and defensive end is one of the positions. So top edge rushers were ranked instead. Now Jordan has a problem with that. And this is, Cam's tweet right here. Wonder if they have a complete true defensive end ranking. Why is edge rushers are, he says, why is edge rushers are taking away? And I guess he says always taking away are, are taking away from true ends encompassed by the term edge. How many know what stop the run means? Me, B, uh, B Graham, Nick Armstead, you know, I mean, Nick, Nick uh, Bosa, Eric Armstead, D-Law. He says, first to four downs, not just the pass. And, you know, he he carries on. And, and Cam has a point because you talk about edge rushers because, you know, that that's the big stat that gets you paid. If you're a guy that known to get to the quarterback, that usually means that you'll get some big bucks. Now, Yannick Ngakwe is interested, and like we said, the reason why Yannick Ngakwe had all those teams in the several years that he was out there after he left the Jaguars because the point on him, the sticking point to Yannick Ngakwe, he's a pass rusher, but that's but he he's not good at the run. So, anyway, if you look at the, the tweet, best edge rushers in the NFL ranked by executives, players, scouts, coaches, whatever, and he sees Nick Bosa there. With, uh, with Miles Garrett, Mika Parsons, and then TJ Watt from the Steelers is there. You know, he says, wonder if they have a complete, a complete true defensive end ranking and why is edge rushers always taken away from true encompass by the term? How many know what stop the run means? Jordan said in a follow-up tweet that he views the rankings as a slap in the face the former defensive ends who were more than just pass rush specialists. He got a point. Hell nah, I'm not just an edge rusher, as he tweeted. Sounds limited, like a liability in the run game, like a slap to the face of ends I looked up to from Chris Dolman, hell yeah, to Mike Strahan to Julius Peppers. All those guys are fantastic. So Cam has a point. Most of those players, and this is the top 10 edge rusher list from ESPN, Bosa, Garrett, Parsons, Watt, Reddick, Crosby, Burns, Judan, Miller and Joy Bosa, both Bosa's on the list. Most of those players play all three downs, but you understand why Jordan felt slighted. He has averaged more than 10 sacks per year over the last 11 years and is one of the most productive players in the NFL. 
Jordan has to, he has been to the Pro Bowl in each of the last six seasons and eight overall. Despite that, he was only named as an alternate on the list. Jordan has never been afraid to speak his mind, so it's no surprise he made his feelings known about the snub. I don't think he gives a rat's, you know, patootie about their, you know, about their list. He's clarifying the term edge rusher. You know, a lot of people fall in the, the, the in term with the in love with the term edge rusher. And I, and I see what Cam is saying. I understand why he feels the way he does about the term. Now it could be a little bit of the sticking that he wasn't listed on the list because at some point when you reading and looking around, like I tell you guys all the time that these guys read these things. I've, I've often said that they listen, they listen to these shows. They hear all of that. And that is because, you know, in many cases, a lot of them say we don't pay attention to the noise. Well, that can mean a lot of stuff. That can mean, you know, that, that, that could be noise that don't make sense or, you know, you could be getting constructive, uh, you know, criticism coming from people, you know, out on the outside, look, you know, on the outside of the building, you can get constructive criticism from people like that. That says, well, this guy needs to do this and do that. But like I've, I've always said uh, for a while that these guys listen to these shows. They read these articles about guys putting them on lists and ranking them because they want to see what people see about them from the outside looking in cam Jordan has done just about everything that he possibly can as a player to be super productive. Like, especially he missed the one game over the several seasons. Uh, he wants to be a, uh, a saint for life. He's worked hard and has, has taken down, uh, you know, our, the, 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 one of the massive records as a defensive end in the sack record that Ricky Jackson held for many years, Ricky Jackson, hall of famer. So cam has a point with the edge rusher. And like I said, edge rushers, people fall in love with the edge rushers, but he's absolutely right. An edge rusher is a guy that is known to put pressure on, you know, from the outside on the edge, on the corner, shooting around to the quarterback to provide pressure. But it is it is a, is a bit of a limited sounding term. He's right. A defensive end is a guy that does both. He's a guy that is able to not only rush the pass and put pressure on him consistently, but he also when he's double team or even triple team like we've seen Cam in, done many years, he's able to stop and diagnose the situation, put his hands up to bat the ball down, or wait to see if running backs are coming out of there. He's able to kind of maintain integrity of the defensive line. He's chasing those fast defense, these fast quarterbacks around. So Cam has done that consistently over the last several seasons for the black and gold. So he has a point on the turn. And like we talk about some of the edge rushers with the term, like we got a few guys that's out on the free agency market. And then when I hear edge rusher, we talking about on the free agency market, Yannick Ngakwe pops up. Uh, Clowney pops up guys like that. We don't consider them defensive ends, meaning you have the ability to be able to stop the run and as, and put pressure on the quarterback. A defensive end does have those duties to do, you know, and also having the ability to diagnose plays. So he know which, which to do. And Cam is one of the smartest, man. He's one, he's one of the smartest players in the league. Uh, and he has uh, been one of the most available players in the league. So it's, it's a very interesting point. 
by Cam. And also, shout out to Cam Jordan because today's his birthday. So happy birthday to Cam, the man Jordan. Cam, happy birthday to you, sir. I know <laughs> Cam had something to pop up and say about the defensive end situation. So what say you, great Saint Tank Tank? Talk to me about that. How do you feel about defensive end Cam Jordan's comments on the edge rusher rankings? He should be on some of these lists. He really should. He really should be on some of these lists. Now, I know they love the Bosas, and the Bosas are very good. I know they love when the, the Watts and TJ and JJ White, when they played, they, when JJ played, he was, you know, in, in his prime, he was a wildebeest, you know. So it's just intriguing and interesting to see how that all goes. And as we come into the season with uh, defensive end Cam Jordan as the solidified guy on our defensive line. We're looking at opposite guys, whether that be Carl Granderson, Isaiah Foskey, or even Peyton Turner. Could those guys be complete defensive ends like Cam Jordan is? Not missing any time and every play, giving it everything you got. Cam Jordan, we never talk about low motor with Cam. We never talk, talk about uh, none of that type of stuff because he has a very high motor. He brings it every snap, and that's why people love and respect Cam Jordan because he's not a hypocrite. He walks in the steps of a person that is doing the work. He's Whatever he's saying, he's doing it. He's exhibiting it on the field of play. So what you guys think about Cam's comments? He considers it a slap in the face, and to a degree, he's not mentioned on some of those lists, and those are some very good players there. But, yeah, you got to throw Cam in there somewhere, and I think that's a part of this as well. You got to give Cam Jordan respect. You got to throw him on some of, at least some of these damn lists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next topic right here, fam, As this is, and this was coming by way of the Saints News Network. Shout out to the guys. It's Saints hired director of analytics from the Jets. The Saints are reporting hiring Zach Stewart away from the Jets to serve as their director of analytics. If you know, this has been a trend around the NFL as the uh, a lot of the teams, not just this, but a lot of cross pro sports, they really are using analytics uh, to try to help give them more insight on how to improve you know, whatever department that they're working out of. So it, it makes a lot of sense and it works to a degree. And sometimes you get buried in the, you know, the numbers and some of it means some stuff, a lot of it, you know, depending on what you're looking at, but you know, the saints are trying to keep up, uh, with, you know, with the future wave. So the saints have hired the director of analytics, according to ESPN, Seth Walder, New Orleans is reportedly hiring Zach Stewart from the jets who had been with the team since 2020 and was the coordinator of football analytics for the team. Now analytics have played a big part of the game for quite some time. It will only get bigger. The saints have parted with Ryan Herman back in the end of May, who spent six years with the team. Sean Payton was a big supporter of analytics and is possibly an area where Dennis Allen wants to grow more with fresh ideas and more informed data. That is not a bad idea at all. So, New ways for improvement are not uncommon for teams. New Orleans hired Matt Rhea last year as their director of sports science, which assisted in the reduction of soft tissue injuries. Players were quick to complement the process in which they battled back from certain ailments and had a better understanding of how their bodies work and how they could practice. The Saints also have heavily or relied heavily on zebra sports in the past 
with the RFID data and analytics, which is, you know, a lot of that data, you know, the tracking data, uh, you know, some, you know, they put the, you know, the microchips and all that type of stuff on the, on the players and they get their uh, information and they see if they can find ways to prove it. A lot of this works, you know, a lot of this stuff actually works and helps to improve uh, what's going on with, with the team. It's a very interesting concept and it's a, really good futuristic look and the saints are trying to keep up with the trend uh, of staying ahead of things like this, because sports science is a major field. Sports science is a major field. And over the last several years, family, we've seen some mighty leaps from the science community dealing with sports. Like back in the day, remember when you would get a hamstring tear or not, or Tommy John surgery for some of the baseball uh, players out there you know, around that rotator cup, that would pretty much, you know, take your career away back in the day. A lot of that stuff is, is, has been, you know, is, is changed. And you can imagine several years into the future, how a lot of the injuries that impact the players today, how sports science have, have, will have involved into a point where it could be able to minimize and take a lot of, a lot of the injuries away. I think it's a great idea but a lot of this stuff like the concussion proof helmets and all this kind of stuff that they're looking at doing to kind of cut down on head injuries in the uh, NFL, all this kind of stuff uh, that they're looking to, to improve the safety of the game. But that's the, 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 the process is. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. You know, as players get faster and faster, the collisions get more violent. So that's just something that the team has to do moving forward. All right. So let's jump into the next one right here. This is a new topic right here. Let's talk about CBS Sports list Derek Carr as a tier four quarterback in the NFL's middle class. Now, stop me if you heard this before. We've had several shows on it. We covered it on our Patreon special. where We talked about the statistics of Derek Carr. And a lot of the reason why Derek Carr gets the middle of the pack uh, quarterback comment is simply because a lot of people don't view him as a playoff quarterback. Like, what has he done from a playoff perspective? He hadn't won any games. He hadn't lead his team deeper to the playoffs. And a lot of that is, you know, get he gets saddled with a lot of the blame, even though he's the, he's a quarterback. He don't play defense. He don't kick any field goals. You know, you, he's just only the quarterback of your team. So, but. This is how people view it, whether you like it or not, you know, so he understands that as well. There have been interviews where where we've seen or heard from Derek Carr, where he talks about chips on his shoulder. We know he mentioned the Raider commentary, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of people feel that way about Carr. Now, 
me personally, I wasn't too, you know, when we first heard about Carr, I wasn't a guy that was like, okay, we got Derek Carr. We knew eventually we was going to get him because the Saints were kind of just like milling about and we knew that they were trying to get him traded to the team and then he he kind of buffs that away and then he comes back and he flips to the side and comes back around and then says, you know, hey man, guess what? Um, I'm I kind of had a chip on my shoulder how every everything played out last year for me, and and it is what it is. But let's let I tell you what before we finish up this article because you've seen Mike Thomas, we covered it, we played interviews by Mike Thomas, we covered pieces that were written on on words that were laid out by Michael Thomas about his wanting to get Derek Carr here and the fact that during the mini camps and all this kind of stuff you've seen. Michael Thomas and Carr constantly talking. They're talking, uh, you know, and to each other uh, when they're not on the field, they're talking about plays. They're talking about how, you know, how do you like this play What to look for here with the look for there. And you seeing that happening with Michael Thomas. And listen, I believe Michael Thomas will play this year. And I don't, I think Michael Thomas will play more than 10 games for the saints this year. Might come as a surprise for some, because we hadn't seen him that much, but eventually you'll see him more than what we didn't see him over the last three years, you know, right. Because of the contract and, you know, this is a show me year, but he it's Michael Thomas on one side and there are other people as well. Case in point, guys like Chris Olave, Chris Olave recently went on to Richard Sherman show and he talked about his relationship or his connection and his thoughts on Derek Carr. And I think uh, let's play that right now, family. We'll get back to the article. Here we go. Guys that you guys had last year. Has there been any, you know, chemistry between you guys throughout OTAs and all that? Oh, uh, hell yeah. We've been brewing up. We've been cooking up. Uh, I feel like it's just getting better and better. Uh, just being on the field together, uh, staying consistent. And uh, that's how we all, that's how everybody build chemistry, though. Just getting those reps and uh, continuous repetition. I feel like uh, we all know what he could do on the field, but he helps me a lot off the field too. Uh, just a leader he is and uh, just his vibes he come with. I feel like uh, always makes a young player better. So I'm excited. For, I'm excited to play with him. And y'all got a, y'all got another big, big guy coming back in Michael Thomas. You know, I mean, he's in y'all room. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been a great receiver in the league for a long time. What advice and what, you know, kind of mentorship has he given to you? Uh, he always, uh, been mentoring me since I got drafted and, uh, he always looked out for me, man. Just everything on and off the field, just finding a crib in, in New Orleans or just finding a chef, uh, just all the little things that, that takes your, takes your game to the next level, uh, just body treatment, all that, all the little stuff. And he, he really behind the scenes, but, uh, man, he, he did so much for me in my rookie year. I can't even explain. I mean, I'm excited to be, be able to play with him again too, man. He worked so hard and. Uh, we all know what he could do on the field when he's healthy, too. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best. And I'm excited to play with him again. Quarterback. All right, so there you go. We talk about that, man, and, and, and he makes mention of that as well and talks about his relationship with Michael Thomas. And this is also a very good dynamic here. We talk about um, the – you know, the the when we deal with the car situation, you have to add the Michael Thomas thing to it. We talk about uh Chris Olave coming into his sophomore season as well as Rashid Shahid, both players that are from the West Coast, 
that Michael Thomas, who has taken under his wing, he's he's really big on both Rashid Shaid and, and Chris Olave. It's big because during Michael Thomas's time here in New Orleans, a lot of the great records, and this is something that I'll never take away from Michael Thomas, or people can't take away from Michael Thomas, is the fact that he did a lot of this thing without a serious, uh, I guess, compliment. There you go. That's the proper word I'm looking for. Without having a really good, solid compliment wide receiver next to him. Like you had Jerry Rice for many years, had John Taylor next to him. You know what I'm saying? And eventually down the line, as he got older, you've seen other players, you know, roll into that thing. But that's never been the case with Michael Thomas. He's always been that guy. And for many years, several years, he had Traquan Smith as a compliment. If you can picture that crap, which you don't really have to picture it because we done been through it. You know, let's not think about it. But I say that about Carr as we bring it back here, because this kind of adds layers to the comment about him and what he'll do here. Now, we knew he had good, fantastic players in the offense with the Raiders. That was one of the most, probably it was the most talented area of that team for many years when he was there, was the fact that that offense had players, you know, had really good players like Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and and Darren Waller. Those guys were phenomenal. You know, they were phenomenal players and they attempted to build the team more so. It's a different, and and I'm not saying that because I'm, we're the who that nation. But I'm being real. If you look at Carr and you study the film, you don't even have to use your imagination. To be honest with you, you can just study the, the film on Carr and expect, you know, if he brings just that, what he had along with the weapons the Saints have, I mean, he will have phenomenal, um, he will have phenomenal success here. And like like this, and, we, and I was talking to uh, a fellow today, shout out to uh, Kevin, man, shout out to Kev. We were having this conversation, man about, you know, Carr coming here and not, we're not coming. And then Drew Brees was in a commentary about Drew leaving San Diego to come here and the expectation. A lot of people didn't see Drew Brees coming here, winning the championship, even though the Saints were high on Drew Brees. When he first stepped through the door, we knew we had a smart quarterback, but we, we, we thinking like we're going to win a lot of games and, you know, and build this team up. And they did that. But for Drew Brees to take it from what he was when he started here, when he was drafted by the Chargers and gets pushed out of the door by the draft in the Phillip Rivers, and then ultimately hits free agency right after his injury occurred, hits free agency, chooses Miami over the Saints, and then Miami decides to go with Culpepper over Drew. Drew then comes to New Orleans, you know, the year after Katrina, you know, to help build the team moving forward. And the Saints really had to build that offense up. You know, that's the year we had Reggie Bush with the draft pick and all that. And the Saints had to really reconstruct the entire offense around Drew Brees. And it was not nearly as talented as what the Saints have given Carr. Could you imagine what if the Saints had would if the Saints would have laid out the type of lineup for Drew Brees? when he first stepped in the door as a free agent versus, you know, what they've given Carr, and you have a very good Michael Thomas, even though Michael Thomas has missed a lot of games over the last three years, he's also missed a lot of abuse from the NFL. He hadn't taken a lot of hits and, and abuse from the NFL over the last three years because he's he hadn't played that much. He was rehabbing. So his body didn't have to suffer 
a lot of the aggression or the violence over the over that three year span. Right. So that's a that's that's a positive for the Saints if we're looking at it. Chris Olave's drafting because of the influence of Michael Thomas. So if you really think about it, when you're dealing with Derek Carr, the one constant that keeps popping up here in the offense is Michael Thomas. Dennis Allen first went, you know, when he got the job, he went out to California and spoke with Michael Thomas because as soon as he got the job, rumors started circulating around that Michael Thomas, that the Saints were going to trade him. So Dennis Allen did a very smart and proactive thing. I'm giving him credit. He went out there, talked to Michael Thomas, told him, told him he wants him to be a part of the team and asked what he can do. Michael Thomas told Dennis Allen to draft Chris Olave. Dennis Allen then traded several first round picks to move up to get Chris Olave to give him to, to the Saints offense to pair him with Michael Thomas, which forms a fantastic combo. Then, of course, injuries happened to the Saints wide receiver room. The guys like Jarvis Landry and people like that last year, which and Deontay Harris Harty, which gave Rashid Shahid an opportunity to be seen. And look where he is now. And once again, the constant is Michael Thomas talking and, and pushing for the Saints and bringing in Derek Carr into the team, bringing in Chris Olabi into the team, uh, working with Rashid Shahid. Michael Thomas has been phenomenal in handling his business and being that cement to kind of bring this offense together. So let's get it. And I say all that to kind of, and I played the interview, just kind of, you know, add a little veneer to the conversation because often people are looking at Carr from a Raider perspective. And I guess that's fine based on the fact that that's all we have right now. Right. As opposed to some of the things that we've seen over, uh, you know, the last several weeks of these different training sessions and many camps that we've seen him in with the red Jersey, as you can see on the screen, it is his team. The, the thing that I realize about the car signing is it's a, it brings an exciting brand of football to New Orleans. The Saints have quick strike ability now on their offense where they have guys more than one, more than one wide receiver that can get up the field very fast and the Saints can score quick on teams or get back into games and not they, they're never out of games. You know, they're never going to be a threat to be out of games. The score is 14 to nothing and we losing uh, to some other team. The Saints have the quick ability to kind of get back into this thing. But I digress. The Drew Brees commentary versus Carr insofar as free agent walks through the door with the Saints. It took several years for the Saints to build a solid offense around Drew. Carr walks through the door in year 10 with supreme talent all around him at every position, at every position. You see, wide receiver, running back. It's just amazing. We have the, the, the wide receiver room, as, as, as Ford mentioned, we talked about them. Even some of the reserve guys are going to be special. We talk about the running back room. Elvin Kamara, you have Jamal Williams, who had 17 rushing touchdowns here. Him and Elvin Kamara together is ridiculous. And then you add Kendra Miller there. This guy had 16 rushing touchdowns last year in college. Kendra Miller from TCU. Then the tight end room. That was the big question mark room in terms of what happens there. So it was the Saints patiently waited and shout out to Foster Morrow, who recently revealed that he is good on the cancer thing. That is absolutely phenomenal. Shout out to you and blessings goes to Foster Morrow, the hometown kid, because the man, let me tell you something, man. Cancer is real. Shout out to my people out there. Much love and blessings 
uh, to Sean and the rest of my people out there. But listen, cancer is real. Whether you got people that's going through it and they got people that's defeating it every day, it's an inspiration to people that is to people that's going through it and their family members and loved ones that's going through it with them. When you see somebody whip that thing, that is an inspiration, man. It really is. That can never be undersold, man. That is the true and realest epidemic that is going on in this country right now that they're not putting enough push under. But anyway, Carr, back to him. I, and that's something I was just throwing out that we had this talk today. And I was like, damn, that's true. It took years for the Saints to build up a really good special offense with Drew at the helm. Carr gets it in year 10 walking through the door. So let's see what he does with it. That'll be the biggest thing. So back to the article. Saints brought in veteran quarterback Carr to move in mixed reactions across the league. Brunson of CBS Sports gave it a nod to Carr towards the league's called the middle class. Brinson created tiers for the NFL quarterbacks and placed every projected starter in one. Those categories were tier one, the big three, tier two, could join them next year, tier three, intrigued with question marks, tier four, you can win with them, five, future potential them guys, six, no clue man, and seven, the rookies. All right. Carr was placed in the fourth tier, which says you can win with them. His peers in the list are Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, and Jimmy Garoppolo. CBS explained it like fussing. The best way to describe these guys, they can get you to the playoffs if everything about them breaks in their favor, but you cannot envision a scenario where they take you on a deep playoff run or win your Super Bowl without a really stout defense run game combo or the stars simply aligning. Now let's let's kind of dig into that, right? Let's dig into what the reporter said. They can they, they can get you to the playoffs if everything about them breaks in their favor, but you cannot envision a scenario where they take you on a deep playoff run or win a Super Bowl without a really stout defense, run game combo, or the stars simply aligning. Well, let's look at it like this. How will the Saints win games this year? Let's let, let's kind of delve into that. How will the Saints win games this year? We won't truly know, but if you go based on prior years' experience, and in particularly last year, we only had seven of them, a big part of what the Saints need to do to win games, especially with Carr coming in, is they they need to have a powerful running game. Do the Saints have a potential powerful running game? Elvin Kamara is still one of the best running backs in the NFL. He was severely underutilized last year. He's another guy that has a lot to still give you. He's still very dangerous. And the offense the Saints have built with all these different people around that you have to put spotlights on and pay attention to merely creates more space, which Elvin, thri- Elvin thrives. He's a satellite back and satellite backs thrive in a space situation. And if you look at the saints offense, you're not going to be able to clutter up the line of scrimmage and focus on a run. Is they just, they're just too dangerous for that. Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. 
Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. You will get bombed out of the world if you come up in there trying to clutter up the Saints. Uh, it's just not that kind of ball game this year. They didn't respect what happened last year because they didn't respect Andy Dalton. They figured if you're going to beat us, it won't. If 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 they're going to beat us, they're going. It's got to be Andy Dalton. He's got to be the guy. And Andy Dalton did put up decent statistics, but in crucial moments of the game, he throwing interceptions. You know, holding the ball too long, taking sacks that knock you out of positions. That time, I thought he was working for the opposition. It didn't make sense. You know, you could you got a veteran quarterback that had seen 10 plus years of football for him to be taking sacks when he had time to throw the ball away. Don't make no sense to me. It was just really insane what I was watching from him in many of the moments in games where we could have actually won. It's just I just don't know. You know, I poor decision making a lot of that. But the run game, we talk about stout defense and run game. The Saints defense last year was a very solid unit. Now, of course, against the run, they were one of the poorest in the NFL. But the reason for a lot of the failure was because the Saints defense was on the field too much last year. Entirely too much. The Saints were on the field last year. Entirely too much. We knew that. There were games where the Saints was out there for like, 28 minutes, 30 minutes in the game. You know what I'm saying? It was time we've watched the pathetic, crap, nasty, stinky offense that we had last year go three and out several different series, several straight series of them going three and out. And the defense had to get back out there and try to stop them people offense and force a turnover to get a Saints off. I remember there were games and y'all put the games in the chat that I remember we were talking about this today a games that we would sit up there and watch the saints offense go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. The defense was out there making stops. They were tired and you can't do that to them. That was super unfair. What the offense was doing last year, they could, they, the defense had to hold a lot of that and they just couldn't hold up to it, especially against the run, you know? So what does it take? How will the saints win games this year? Early on, because we know we we know straight up that Carr will not play in very much football in the preseason, right? We know that. That's from a historical standpoint. You'd be fortunate if we see him for a two series out of the entire preseason season, right? When the regular season start, the way for the Saints to start winning games will be because they will have to learn how to run the ball first. The Saints, I'm not going to say the running the running room is better than the wide receiver room. I'm not going to say that, but what I'm going to say from a fundamental standpoint is that you want to get your running attack going. You want to get your running attack going. You want to get that going 
up against the adversaries that you're facing. The, and this is paramount because the first four games of this season is when it is actually our preseason, so to speak, because that's when you really see the starters, the starting offensive line, uh, our tight ends, our wide receivers and running backs and QB all get on the same page. It takes live game reps for that to occur. So in the first four games of the NFL season, weeks one through four, it's a learning process for them to figure out what plays work the best and ones that don't work, you know, that have more impact for the team. So the best way in many cases to win games during that stretch, and we're going to throw the ball, but we have to learn to run the football and play defense. That's what it comes down to running of the football, keeping the pre and we're going to throw this in here. Cause this will kill the saints last year too. pre-snap penalties. And this bodes well. We talk about talent and we, you know, we, we put the, the thinking cap here in the great Saint thing tank. And we remember from last year what really hurt the team. And it wasn't always injuries. That's the first thing that glossed over because people totally forget all, all of the small particular things until you remind them. Like what about the Saints were one of the poorest teams in the NFL last year because of pre-snap penalties. How many people remember all of those, those false start penalties we were getting? We'd be rolling along, doing well, and then all of a sudden we'll get three straight false start penalties. Remember Andrews Pete in one of those games where he had two of the three straight uh, false start penalties? You see, the pre-snap penalties was something that is caused by a team just, 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 not, just not thinking. Just uh, that's just that is just on you pre-snap penalties, not paying attention, not understanding what's going on. So that bowls to the defense of the team. Do they improve upon that? Getting rid of the pre-snap penalties and the things that shoot us in the foot. That is a big, big part of this thing. But winning games in the first four weeks of the season, keeping the turnovers down, keeping the pre-snap penalties down. Right running of the football consistently to open up the play action to be able to throw the ball down the field, right? That's a part of it. And playing defense. We've got to be able to play better defense. We got to still be able to get to the quarterback, and we still have to be to prove to people that we can. Two big questions for the Saints defense coming up in the upcoming season is can the Saints continue to put pressure on the quarterback, which I believe they will, the bigger question is, can they contain the mobile quarterback threat? Unlike the last several plus years that we had to watch guys run around us last year, we faced pretty much all of the speedy quarterbacks that you can imagine for the NFL to throw at us. We faced those guys last year, except for Hurt, who was hurt during that game, and they put uh, a Gardner Minshew in there, and we made mince me to him. But the reality is, that is a big question, can, and that was a major Achilles heels for the Saints defense. Can they neutralize the, the mobile QB threat? And the second one is stopping the run. Could they have a better outing this upcoming season than what we've seen last year with the combination of David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, and Kentavia Street? Can guys like Kalen Saunders, Nate Shepard, and Brian Breesey in, you know, improve in that aspect? And you most simply look at all three of those guys and says, hey, David Onyemata is the baller of that group out of the three from last year. 
But at least you can look at that group and say two of the three guys we have in here now are better than those two or three last year. Now, David Onyemata, I don't see a David Onyemata here just yet out of the new guys here. But Kalen Saunders could every beat every bit of that. We don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. But that's a big part of winning it. It's not, it's, and we understand how important Carr is to the dynamic. Yes, indeed. We understand that. But Carr is not going to be the main reason why the Saints win games. If the Saints do what they're supposed to do, we'll have the running attack, which will open up the play action. A successful power running attack opens up the play action where we can get down the field. And then once we get the play action done, we, you know, it's over with. It is over with with how he can throw the ball down the field. So it's not totally on all on Carr, even though Carr has to conduct the offense, keep his turn, his interceptions down and turnovers down, lead the offense and simply, simply play within the offense and use the running attack that the, the Saints have blessed him with and all of this fantastic, thick ass, thick ass, deep talent rooms that we got in terms of our player talent levels. We use all of this stuff. We should see a lot of success from the Saints offense, unlike what we've seen last year, right? And finally, because let me tell you, Carr hears all of this. These guys, and we said this about Cam, they hear all of this stuff. They hear all of this. They hear all of the stuff. They hear all of it. You know, they hear the criticism. They hear the love. They know who they like and who they don't like. When we, like we played Michael Thomas. And they had uh, Jeff Duncan. He was talking, and Michael Thomas looked at him and said, "You, you, you don't want to be writing all that BS." And then he didn't like him. You, you kind of he answered his question, but didn't throw no love his way. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, they know who they knew who you are. They've been down here for years, and they listen to all that stuff. A lot of this motivates them to be better, man. So anyway, let's finish up the article. This makes sense for what Carr has been his entire career, but there's a reason he wanted to start something new and head to New Orleans. There's a chance for him to raise his stock and maybe enter a new tier next season with a better group of players around. He's the highest rated quarterback in the NFC South, which, you know, that's not saying much with Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, and uh, Bryce Young. And he got Baker Mayfield and Desmond Ritter in the tier six, which is no clue. Bryce Young, obviously, in tier seven is the rookie group, and we'll see, soon learn whether this was an accurate assessment of of Carr's abilities in the fall. Now he, that's a safe cause nobody really wants to go out on a limb. And that's the thing. And I'm going to address the tears and the quarterback tears momentarily, but nobody wants to really go out on the limb and say that Carr is the guy that's going to take the saints in a deep playoff run. Nobody wants to go out on that, <laughs> on that branch. They're not willing to go out on that limb and say, he is the guy. Because the if there is no reason to defend, right, whether Carr is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback or not. According to his numbers, and he's been in the league for 10 years, he's the number sixth highest-ranked passer currently of all the passers. Well, people look at that and say, okay, well, whatever, right? Well, whatever. No, longevity is key here, right? He's done that mostly as a starter. He fell out of favor with McDaniels, and I think McDaniels are ultimately going to get fired. I don't think McDaniels is a good head coach. I think he's more of a coordinator, and he'll slither back to up under Bill Belichick's, uh, you know, skirt. So eventually, what I see from Carr for the Saints is like it's it's a different setup because you come in here. The Saints have invested 
a ton of talent in every position. I mean, the tight end room was there until they signed Foster Monroe. You got Taysom Hill in there and Jawan Johnson that's ready to step up. Wide receivers, we went over that. The running backs, we went over that. They even, you know, thickened up the reserves on the offensive line because we dealt with so much injuries last year that they have really good, solid backups with, with, with some potential. Billy Price is a really good, solid center they picked up. You got Nick Sell DeVere there. When he's healthy, he'll probably end up taking Andrews Pete's guard position, no doubt about it. You're looking at other guys that are there, like Storm Norton, who could play the tackle position. A big guy, a veteran. Don't cost a lot of money, but could help. So the Saints are doing a phenomenal job in investing in talent around core. And he comes here at the right time because the Saints are under pressure to win after going backwards from nine and seven to seven and 10 last year under Dennis Allen. So the Saints are under supreme pressure to win because they got a lot of the taxpayer money invested in the Superdome. They're looking to bank out with all of the new uh, renovations there. They keep releasing articles about, you know, the, 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 the Superdome and how it looks and how there's that. They want to bank out and they don't, they do not want them to be the reason why they don't bank out. They don't want the losing of the team because they know that if the team is losing and they're losing bad and it's, that hurts the profits of the team, it hurt them last year. It hurts them, hurts them last year. And they don't like when guys like myself get up here and say, man, how y'all handle this was trash and da 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 da. That hits them in their bottom lines because guys like myself that spend heavily with the Saints will then re- withdraw my money and say, listen, you ain't getting this until you give me a better product. Well, you ain't a diehard. No, no, no. I am a diehard, but I'm a smart ass diehard. I'm not a stupid ass. You're not going to just throw my money away at a team that's disrespecting me by not doing or not honoring me or showing me that they're trying to win by making the proper decisions on the field and off the field, even checking the head coach when you need to and not protecting him blindly because you don't want to do what you're supposed to do because it's going to cost you money. I know. So anyway, this is some of the stuff that Derek Carr knows, and he listens to this, that they consider him a middle-of-the-pack quarterback because he doesn't he have any playoff wins, and that's where a lot of this is judged from. You know, what did you do for your team? Did you take them this, that, and the third? You didn't do that with the Raiders because for many years, the Raiders was a half a team. You got Raider people out there will tell you that they were a half a team. They were a joke in many cases. They were a half a team, and they were pathetic. Now, you can't say that about the Saints. The Saints are loaded on offense. They defense retool on the defensive line. Me personally, I think that they've gotten better in the interior of the defensive line. I think their secondary is solid. Their linebacker could use another veteran linebacker. I'll give you that. We'll kind of lead off into it. That's a perfect segue. It's our final article. But they don't, they're not missing much. But Carr is listening to this and playing with a chip on his shoulder, not just because how he left the Raider country, but to dispel the overall thought process on him being a guy that's just the middle of the pack guy that can't take you anywhere. See, he understands that now, and he came here to win. He said that on several press conferences. I'm in New Orleans because I'm here to win. So you wasn't winning when you was over there with Oakland now. Yeah. <laughs> or with the raid in Los Angeles or whatever the hell you want to call them, Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, whatever. He wasn't winning over that. Now, obviously not enough for him to come here and say, I come here to win. 
Well, guess what? Yes, we want you to win, and the Saints want you to win too. So, man, we got a little bit before this kicked off, family. We got a couple of weeks left, and we're going to finally see it. So, y'all need to be excited. I know I'm excited too. All right, final article. And to talk about a perfect segue, baby, into the final article, we understand and know that the we went over the team backwards and forwards with a fine-tooth comb. We understand that one of the supreme things that's happening with the Saints here in terms of the depth of each position group, they've addressed it. The tight end position, they brought in Foster Monroe. He had to wait on that thing because he had to clear out, and the Saints did it, and that's how they're looking now. Now, we talk about everything else. What's left to talk about? Now, you could also say, cue the defense, and this is what I've been saying, that the interior defensive line could use another veteran rotational end, uh, or a defensive tackle, rather, to be there which that could also be solved by just throwing to new passing yo in that role. And then you will have passing yo along with the rest of them guys, as well as Malcolm Roach. And then of course you'll have push from a guy like Jaron Cage, uh, uh, Jack Heffler, Heffler would, you know, all the rest of these guys, one of these undrafted guys are going to step up. And I've been saying, watch out for a guy like Jaron Cage. He can push Malcolm Roach, man. He can push him. Anyway, let's jump into this one here. And this speaks about the linebacker depth about the black and gold here. A lot of people simply don't belong or believe in Zach Bond's ability. Me personally, I like Zach Bond. I think Zach Bond has potential. I think the Saints are banking on Zach Bond's potential in the final year of his contract. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage, the kid's tuition, and all the other bills? In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially. At Ethos, we could get you covered in just 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Rates can increase the longer you wait, so no more excuses. Take 10 minutes today and discover the modern way to get the life insurance coverage you need. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's ethoslife.com slash audio. I really do think that the black and gold brass believe that Zach Bond could have a Caden Ellis style year. I really do think that they believe that. 
do I believe in what they believe? No, you're going to have to show me. You're going to have to show me. You're going to have to show me. Let me hit the button on that. Y'all know it. Yeah. Oh. Yes, you got to show me. But in the end, I do like Zach Bond a lot. I think Zach Bond is very talented. But like the, a lot of the Who That Nation understands that you're going to have to show them. So their criticism is not, you know, unjustified because we really haven't seen a lot from Zach Bond to be excited about. But there is a potential, a small chance that he could have a season similar or get a very productive season like we've seen out of the Caden Ellis, which was special. But let's get into this one right here from Canal Street Chronicles. Why the Saints should bring Quan Alexander back? We've talked about this. We've done a show on this a while ago. Quan Alexander is still out there. A lot of the Jets media is pushing for the Jets to re-sign Quan Alexander. Remember, he signed there. He left here, and we covered this before. The Saints didn't... Uh, cut or release him but you know well what happened was Dennis Allen went to Zach Bond I mean to Quan Alexander pardon me and told him listen Pete Werner is going to be our future linebacker you're going to be our third linebacker you'll rotate in you know you know and back up these guys Quan Alexander said no he said he, he was looking to get the multiple year deal that he was searching out for that kind of contract he had early in this year. I don't think Quan Alexander won't, will ever get that kind of agreement, but you know, he finally went to the jets after looking around the jets gave him a one year deal. It was at just over 1.2 mil. And he played about 16 games. or so. I think for the jets more games that he played in a while for us. And he played pretty decently. He had like 60 something tackles. I want to say that year. So bringing Quan back makes a lot of sense because he won't cost you a lot of money. The only question is, would he be open to coming back to New Orleans in a reserve role? Because it hadn't changed. The the situation hadn't changed uh, about him, you know, in terms of him being a starter. It's still Demario Davis and Pete Werner. But if injuries happen, he'll be in there starting and he could work his way into a payday perhaps. Just imagine if Quan, and this is just how, Fast things happen. Imagine if Quan Alexander would have said, yeah, I'm going to stay with New Orleans, right? He stays with New Orleans. Pete Werner gets hurt, right? He balls out. He becomes a free agent. And then he gets a big contract from another team. He gets a multiple year deal from another team. So that's what I was saying. If Quan Alexander would have stayed place, he would have ultimately gotten the money, maybe not from us, but perhaps a division rival, would have gave him that bread. I don't think he'll still be out there right now, but this could be something interesting because to bring him here and have him here uh, behind a Pete Werner who's suffered from injuries wouldn't be a bad thing, but will he be receptive to that? You know, because that's the thing, because he didn't let, he didn't leave ugly, you know, but would he be receptive to that sort of thing? Let's, Let's cover it. Count down the days until training camp. Saints locked and loaded for the upcoming season. Team looking pretty much set, but they could bring in an old friend. 28-year-old Quan Alexander sitting in Fragrance. It could be an excellent addition to the team. He joined the team back in 2020, and he was traded to the Saints for Kiko Alonso. You remember that? And a, a conditional fifth-round pick found instant success starting seven 
of seven games that he played. Yeah, he played the next season eight of 12 games and was cut in 21 to save salary. He played last season for the Jets. Alexander was a solid linebacker. The Saints tenure had a great reflection or relationship, pardon me, with the fellow Demario Davis. He was phenomenal next to Demario Davis. He really was. He was phenomenal next to Demario Davis. Like I said, he was released because he didn't want to take a backup role to Zach Bowen. Had he said, yes, I'm telling you, he would have got his money from somebody. If it's not us, it would have been, would have been a division rival. I promise you that much. The Saints have one of the best linebacker duels in football. Pete Werner and Demario Davis are absolute game records. However, the rest of the team's linebackers are unproven. Alexander could be a solid depth piece and key snaps in certain defensive packages. The Saints also are lacking pass rushers. When Alexander was a Saint, he had 18 blitz attempts. On those 18 attempts, the former fourth-round pick had eight QB pressures. At a bare minimum, the former LSU Tiger will provide the energy and excitement in the locker room and also won't cost the team a ton of money to sign him, making it a rather easy acquisition for the team. Do you think Saints will bring Kyle Alexander? I would, it is a possibility. Anything's possible, right? The Saints, now listen, like I said, what's stopping Aquan Alexander from coming here, right? He left, the Saints released him because he didn't want to take the reserve role to back up Pete Werner. Had he stayed, like I said, he would have, he would have balled out and he would have more than likely got a contract from a division rival or somebody who gave him a multi-year deal. So Stan put was probably a good thing for him to do, but he bounced. He got the 1.2 from the Jets. Now he's looking for a home. It is quite possible for Quan Alexander to find his way down here. The only question I have is, is Quan Alexander's mindset changed on him being a backup? He wants to be a starter and he wants a multiple year deal. That's why he left. You know, he gave the Saints after that, the Saints released him. You know, he had the contract and then they brought him back on a cheaper deal. He signed a cheaper deal. But ultimately, the game plan for Quan was get a multiple year contract from somebody. The Saints say, hey, we love you. We want you here. But, you know, can you play behind Pete Werner? Pete Werner's really good. So it, that's the question to Quan I'm asking. Quan, bro, has your, have your uh, expectations changed? I know you want to be a starter, but are you willing to come back to the Saints? Because the situation hadn't changed. If they do uh, are interested in you, you know, being there, you're not right away going to be like with, if let's say Quine signs tomorrow, he will be in a competition in the Saints eyesight with Zach Bowen for the third spot. Right. And also we talk about is Quine willing to do that? The bigger question is, are the Saints really looking at Quine Alexander to bring him here? It appears to me that the Saints feel totally comfortable but what we have at the linebacker position. And if injuries occur, I'm pretty sure they'll change that. That's the big sticking point. But you don't go the entire offseason up until this point, late in free agency, and they still have some decent linebackers. Quan Alexander will be cheap for you. And you go in here and look, and you have Zach Bourne. You bring back Andrew Dowell, right? You have Zach Bourne there in his last year. You still have DeMarco uh, Jackson there. Right. So you got DeMarco there who the Saints are really big on. Are they saying, hey, man, 
we like DeMar- DeMarco guy. We, you know, we, we like him what he could be. We, we want to see what Zach Bowen does in his final year. And we have young guys like Anthony Orgy and Nick Anderson that's sitting back there. And we're comfortable and cool with those guys. Hard for me to expect, you know, to kind of say, yeah, that, you know, they, they, you know, that's the case. But it appears that the Saints are are feeling pretty good about that. You know, of course, injury hits that change, but usually right when you get to the big camp, you see a flurry of moves leading up to the camp when guys that we thought were going to be there, some of these undrafted guys, the Saints decide, you know, that we're going to release them and bring in a veteran or two. They do this a lot every offseason, so it's worth watching out for. But having Quan Alexander here is a big plus. I would definitely, if I'm the Saints, I would be entertaining that option. But then again, how do the Saints see linebackers like Zach Bond, who I really do think that they believe in Zach Bond, that he can be have a he can have a similar. I think they look at Zach Bond as a person that can have a similar progression as Caden Ellis did last year. I, you know, that's that's what it appears like that they see. And DeMarco, you know, is the, the fifth round draft pick out of Appalachian State. He's another guy that they want to see, you know, what what could this young man do? Could Quine be a guy that's in their way, you know, for those guys to develop and they want to see a younger option, even though Quine is cheap at whatever one million dollar contract is, these other guys are cheaper than him. So it'll be an interesting to see how it all fits me personally. I think the Saints should definitely look into it because it's, those questions are bound. Like, do, are the Saints looking at Quan Alexander? Are they feeling like they're comfortable at the linebacker position? They can do what they do. And then the other question is, does Quan Alexander accept the role that he left here? You know, <laughs> does he accept the role that he left here from the go to the Jets to get and now he's a free agent again? That, how, did his mind change that? That's the big question there. So ultimately, man, you know, this is all this will all be looked upon because I think Quan Alexander eventually over the next couple of weeks, he could very well be signed to a team, whether it's the Jets and they're advocating for him to come back. Players on the team want Quan Alexander back. So if he pulls a he, you know, and, and goes somewhere else looking for the money, we'll know over the next 10 to 14 days or so what 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 happens with Quan Alexander. So we'll just have to see on that, right? Well, y'all put y'all let me know how y'all feel. Put it in the chat. Let me know how you guys feel. I know y'all want Quan Alexander back, but what about the mentality that Quan had when he left? Did that change? You know, does he feel like, hey man, I ain't sitting behind that guy. I'm better than that guy. Or do the Saints feel like, hey man, uh, we cool. We don't need uh Quan Alexander. Zach Bourne and DeMarco Jackson is fine. You know, y'all let me know about that in the chat, man. Let me know how y'all feel about that because that that could not, that can, you know, not be understated. All right. So anyway, with that being said, fam, we're going to get ready to get out on that. Shout out to Cam Jordan. Happy birthday to that brother on that. Uh, He was the star of the show today uh, as he talked about issues with the edge rushing. We went over that. We also talked about the Saints adding a new analytical person. We also talked about the middle-class quarterback in terms of tiers in the NFL and car what that means to the black and gold. We also went over the Quan Alexander stuff and even played the snippet of from the Richard Sherman show about Chris Olave's thoughts on Derek Carr. So that was also put in there as well. So with that being said, fam, we're going to get get ready to get out on that. Listen, I appreciate you guys for chiming on this episode of the show. 
do me a favor. Please feel free to hit the like button. If you hadn't hit the damn like button, hit it. It's free. Hits, hit the notification bell. That is also free. And if you're not a subscriber, hit the subscribe button. That is super free. And also feel free to share the show's links on your social media feed and groups. That is also a big help. Listen, that is a personal thank you from myself, Big Q, to you guys for sharing the links on your social media feed. I love you and I appreciate you doing that. That is big. Thank you ultimately for that. But anyway, with that being said, we'll get ready to get out on that. Listen, please feel free to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the share button, man. And I'll pop up on another episode of the coma. We'll cover some more, man. I can't wait. It's getting closer and closer to the season. We'll have an announcement or two to make uh, coming uh, close to the season, man. We've got some more uh, videos that we'll be breaking down the Saints rooms. So it'll be pretty cool, man, as we get closer and closer to the season. So with that being said, I love y'all. I appreciate you. Shout out to the mighty who that nation and the ultimate, the great Saint tank tank for supporting your boy. Much love to the fam. Who that? And I'm- yeah. I'm a who that. I'm a who that. Long as I'm living, I'm a who that. Lose all winning, I'm a who that. Sports coma, yeah, this is where we do that. 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 Boogie like this, and I'm a who that. I'm a who that. Sports coma, this is where we do that. Where we do that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Somebody please better help. Running this thing like elf. Thank God every day I'm not a felt. Go to YouTube live with Big Q and the guys. If you ain't ride or die, the bandwagon get flipped. Been marching in, that was way for the ring. I was yelling out your shame for the championship. Fucking on town, duck down. Falcons, pluck, get shut down. Panthers ain't much touchdown. The vision really belong to us now. So much hate on the Saints, you can probably tell. Ever since Bounty Gate hit the NFL, when things seem fishy, then you probably smell. The crooked referees are Roger Goodell. Yeah. like this, and I'm a who that. Every day I'm living, I'm a who that. Lose all winning, I'm a who that. It's the sports coma, this is where we do that. Where we do that, where we do that, where we do that, where we do that, where we do that. Boogie like this, and I'm a who that. It's the sports coma, this is where we do that. You're listening to the sports coma with Big Q and the guys on the PRO Media Network.
WhoThatDaily.com. That's right, the WhoThatDaily.com. Your one-stop shop for everything New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Pelican, LSU Tigers, even the top flight boxing. So if you're a Who That and you're looking for a place to stay up on your team, WhoThatDaily.com is your site. The WhoThatDaily.com for the sport Who That in all of us. Right, the Pro Shop is the platform store where you can go and buy all the latest merch to support the platform. Available at the Pro Shops, we have dozens of hundreds of products available for you and your family. Unisex tees for men and women, hoodies and sweatshirts, tank tops, kids and baby items, long sleeve tees, mugs, pillows, wall art, bath bedding, face masks, phone cases, stickers, bags, fanny packs, socks, hats, and many other items. Please feel free to check out the Pro Shops. The link is in the description section below. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.